Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hi, Christy. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Um, you just had a birthday. I did. Well, it it'll so- be like a while ago. When yeah, I'm I'm well into 52 by the time you're here. <laughs> <laughs> but your birthday was the 26th of February. Yes, of February. But this won't come out until next week. So, so it's it's a little dated. Birthday. Well, it was fabulous. Wow. Um because I'm lucky enough that I've got lots of friends that have gotten vaccinated and my folks have gotten vaccinated and it was nice weather. And I had my solo stove out on the, you know, I cleaned I, my, I spent my birthday, no joke, lifting weights, going for a nice jog and then coming back and raking leaves in the backyard and side yard. That's 100% what I wanted to do like loved every bit of it. Um, so, and then, and then we had some like a little dance party on the deck around the fire pit. pit and yeah. I made food for people, which just, it just was perfect. So Tim, you made food for your birthday? what you made the food for your birthday. I did because I like to cook and it just felt like I hadn't done that for people in a long time. So Um, yeah, it was, it was, it couldn't have been better. It was just right. That's awesome. I'm glad you had a good birthday. Thank you. I was in quarantine for my birthday. birthday. I thought about you. I was like, I don't want to go in quarantine after my birthday. So I'm going to do it like this. (laughs) (laughs) You should be pretty, if most people were vaccinated and you're outside. Well, somebody said like, one of them was like, I think maybe my kids were exposed. So maybe I shouldn't come. And I'm like, don't you have the vaccination? She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, aren't we like, aren't we supposed to start trusting the vaccination? Like, but yeah. that's there's not enough doing. information out yet. Right. But out. It was, it was, it was, it's it was all done responsibly. So it's, it was somewhat irrelevant, but anyway, so how have you been? I've been good. We're getting uh, ready for the feisty women's performance summit. So I yes. have been like 
crazy. Chicken with your head cut off. (laughs) Like a chicken with my head cut off. Um, I'm so excited about this event though. Like we, um, we really wanted to focus on all the factors that contribute to women's performance. Mm-hmm. So it's all like, we have like Dr. Stacy Sims. I was on a call with Myrna Valerio. Do you know who that is? Yay. Yep. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. She's going to be our opening keynote speaker. She's going to talk about how performance is for every woman. If you don't That's know awesome. her, look her up the Myrna Vader and she's into gravel cycling now. Can we get her on? I'm going to try. We might, I might be working something out for one of our lives this summer because she's gonna I think be at one of the events we're gonna be at nice um she's a big deal um she's bookers and then um yeah so Saturday is gonna be kind of the physiology the nutrition that goes into performance and then Sunday is very much about like the mental and the cultural pieces go into performance and last week we were doing the podcast I was like because somebody was late Oh, shoot. I was late. What were you doing, Christy? What were you doing? What was I doing? You were riding a motorcycle. Oh, that's right. I was out with Tim on the motorcycle. That's right. It's fun. We don't usually record that late, but. Yeah. And I don't forget. I'm not late. I know. I know. You're not, you're never, especially when it's in your calendar. Cause I was like, did I forget to put it in Christy's no, calendar? Because that's when the podcast gets screwed up when I forget to put them in the calendar. Yeah. No, but it was it, in the calendar. It was there. I goofed up. But uh, we had Aaron Ayala on. Dr. Aaron Ayala. Yes. And while we were waiting for you, I asked if she wanted to speak at the summit. And she said, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's just um, really inspirational, very authentic, um, has worked hard on just all of, all of the things, learning about herself, learning how to be, to be a better activist, like just she just does a great job. I got to know her through the 200 women, 200 miles campaign. Um, and, um, I, she's, she's so smart. So she's so smart. Yeah. She's, uh, (laughs) she's a PhD in, uh, psychology. So she's going to be talking at the the summit related to the summit that mental, but she has a team that she founded this and we won't get it because we get way into it in the podcast. Um, but you were saying somebody from the team, uh, she reached out to you because somebody need, is coming to Unbound and they needed a training plan and yeah. you enlightened them on something that other people might be interested in. Right. I, I was like, we, I need to do a better job of this because Unbound Gravel, we've got the training plans for all of the different distances written by Kristen Legan. Um, so you can go on, right, like unboundgravel.com. You can look at training plans for 25 all the way up to 350. They'll work for any gravel event. You just have to backdate it, you know, puppy for, but it's great. And, and Aaron, you know, was like, oh, I didn't know you had this. And this is super, makes it super accessible. And I just, you know, want to make sure if you're training for a gravel event and you're a little unsure, use that as a baseline. They're great. They're great training plans. So, and they're free. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. So, um, so we're excited to share our conversation with Aaron. I, Whoa. Ayala. Ayala. <laughs> Christy says it on the podcast because I couldn't do it. <laughs> with Erin Ayala um, with you. And if you want to hear more of her, you can go to womensperformancesummit.com and get yourself a ticket for our Women's Performance Summit. Perfect. 
Hi folks, Sarah here, the founder of Live Feisty Media, the company that produces the podcast you are currently listening to. I just wanted to jump in here and invite you to our latest initiative here at Live Feisty, the Feisty Women's Performance Summit. On March 26th to 28th, we will be serving up a virtual summit like no other, designed specifically for active feisty women or anyone who wants to know how women can get the best out of our bodies throughout our lives. I think we all kind of figured out by now that a lot of sports and nutrition science studies, product and performance research is done on men and are a little confused maybe about what actually applies to us as women. So we collected experts from several arenas, physiology, psychology, nutrition science, and social sciences to get some answers. The Feisty Women's Performance Summit includes 20 educational sessions, plus networking events, group workouts, and an expo full of supportive brands. I seriously hope you can join us on March 26th to 28th, 2021. Tickets are only $149 and all sessions will be recorded and can be viewed up to two weeks after the event. For more information or to sign up, go to womensperformancesummit.com. The link will be in the show notes, of course. That's womensperformancesummit.com. See you there, feisty friends. Hey, Christy. Hi, Catherine. Hey, are you thinking about your 2021 gravel adventures? I don't know who isn't thinking of 2021 gravel adventures. I know. Well, I kind of have a new bucket list race. What is it? It is a gravel stage race right outside of Calgary, Canada called the Trans Rockies Gravel Royale. Have you heard of this? Um, you know what? I have. I think it sounds amazing. Four days. Four days of riding, 230 miles, 23,000 feet of climbing, and it's all in the Canadian Rockies. I think that sounds epic. Yeah, it's setups where they carry your tents, cook your food, and provide your medical support and more. And like set up a big party every night. That is the best kind of glamping right there. Yeah, it's really the only kind of glamping I will do. (laughs) (laughs) I I believe that. And you know what's cool is they are holding early bird spots for women because they're really working to get more women on the starting line. So if people are interested, where do you think they should go, Christy? Uh, TransRockiesGravelRoyale.com. I bet that site's got all the information. I think it does. And fingers crossed we'll be at some awesome 2021 adventure soon. Hello, Catherine. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very timely. God, seriously? You're starting (laughs) it off with, okay, okay. I was late. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, And I feel really bad because our guest today, Erin Ayala, is um, someone that I very much respect and admire. And I'm stoked that she's on and felt very disrespectful for being late. (laughs) Yes, doctor. Aaron Ayala. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Aaron, so we're welcome, so glad Aaron. You're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? I mean, we're, we'll get into the part where you actually do have a PhD, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that a little bit later, but 
first, the most important thing, bikes. Tell us how you got into cycling and what you do in cycling and all the fun stuff. <laughs> yep. So I came to cycling from endurance sports, uh, first started with marathon running. So I was in grad school. Um, I started running to just take care of myself for self-care and worked my way up. I got the bug pretty quickly, worked my way up to marathon. And then some of my friends started doing triathlons. So I got the triathlon bug. Um, my spouse got me a road bike, my very first road bike. And then I slowly but surely realized that I was often in like the bottom 20th percent. So I'm a researcher. So I like the percentiles <laughs> always comparing. Right. Um, so I was in the bottom 20% for swimmers and I was often in the top 20% for cyclists. You're like, <laughs> I was wait like, a minute, wrong sport. The writing is on the wall here. Um, and so I eventually, I mean, I was living in upstate New York at the time doing triathlons and I worked my way up to the Ironman distance, the full distance triathlon. And then I moved to Minnesota to the Twin Cities with my spouse because he got a really good job here. And it was just too many logistics to keep dealing with triathlon and finding a pool and a gym and all of that stuff. So I was like, I'm going to ride my bike. Um, and then I was first introduced to gravel that fall where I saw one of a fellow um, cyclist in the area who I now I still very much respect was just dominating. Um, it was the heck of the North race mm. in um, the, near, near the North shore of Minnesota. Beautiful. And I was like, I want to be like that person. And so I had ordered my first gravel bike, not knowing a whole lot about it. Um, and then quickly got that bug as well and went on to do more distance gravel events. And now I also do road mountain bike, fat bike in Minnesota, you name it. So yeah, I was going to say, isn't the gravel season like six weeks there for summer? Yeah. And then we have another one for fall. <laughs> it's like spring, like April, and like September, October. <laughs> well, and you kind of took up, of course, you know, I kind of stalk you on Instagram, but mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's allowed. It's public. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you're putting it out there so you can inspire people, but um, that you took up mountain biking like nobody's business during COVID. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like my, cause you know, mountain biking is so much easier to do solo. It, especially for me, I live close to some really nice single track here in the area. And then I got a new mountain bike. And so I was super stoked about that. And so then I started um, overreaching in terms of handling skills and finding my limit, which was great. Um, getting some good YouTube and GoPro footage for that. And yeah, it was awesome. It was super fun. I also started, I, I was a little Bella's mentor for the first oh, great. last summer. So that was also a wonderful reason. Like that got me on the bike an extra day every week, just so I could hang out with the seven-year-olds and <laughs> play like the Jones brothers and have dance parties and all that fun stuff. <laughs> so it was great. Yeah. So good. That's so fun. Okay. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your educational background too, because I think it plays an important role mm -hmm. in the next part of what we want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I um, went to undergrad in psychology, minored in women's studies. And then I did a lot as an undergrad. I did research. I volunteered and did like clinical work in the community for um, sexual assault survivors so I got counseling experience. And then I did a lot of research as an undergrad with professors. 
So I jumped and went straight to the PhD, um, essentially skipping the master's degree and just went not very good with moderation. So I just went into the deep end, um, moved to New York and went into a PhD in counseling psychology. And it was a scientist practitioner model. And so the students are trained as researchers and clinicians. So mm -hmm. I was able to come out with a degree being able to be a psychologist who also knows how to do high quality research. And that prepared me to be an academic and faculty member. And I was um, for a few years until I picked up a part-time gig in sports psychology. And that started as eight hours a week. And then it became 15 hours a week and then 20 and then 25 while I was still a professor. And I finally realized that it was no longer sustainable and I had to pick one. Um, and so I let go of academia. And so now I'm a full-time sports psychologist who does research in the sport of, in the field of sports psychology. I'm just not worthy. <laughs> much smarter. <laughs> this is why I was late. I was trying to miss the whole call. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we were chatting before Christy got here about um, it, and it's all it all worked out. Erin's going to now speak at the Feisty Women's Performance Summit. Yeah. Um, the, um, we were chatting, and uh, <laughs> I don't. This isn't the, what you did your research in, but you could talk about mansplaining, like yes, microaggressions, and like things like that, from like an educated, not just a. It's so annoying, but like we have research now. Yeah. And that was part of, honestly, that was one of my studies as I came to cycling from marathon running and triathlon. And then I got into the cycling, like racing competitive cycling scene. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, this is different. And, um, I, I couldn't, I didn't have words for it. Like I could definitely explain how it felt to show up at a group ride or a race for the first time. Um, looking around and not knowing what to do or where to go or like how to show up and not wanting to ask for help because I didn't want to be like talked down to or condescended. Like I just, it was so weird. And then the longer I was in it, I was like, this is a thing that I could study. <laughs> so I'm going to do it because we don't have any research to support this. And we need data to show that this is a thing. And so I actually emailed Christy and was like, can you help me with this data collection? Um, I really like your, you know, your initiatives, the work that you're doing to promote, you know, women in cycling. And this is what I'm trying to get a sense of. And she was all about it. She was like, yeah, let's do it. So she helped me with my data collection, um, which has been explaining Christy, yeah, which has since been published. And so now we actually have data to say, Hey, you know, like 75% of women, trans, femme, and non-binary folks have been like frustrated based on the microaggressions that they've experienced as a cyclist. Um, well, and, then, and then you get to, I mean, then you can understand what those microaggressions actually are because I, a lot of times I don't think they're coming at people on purpose. Exactly. You know? it's, it's often, not, yeah, it's subtle, it's unintentional. And I think that's often I was telling Catherine the number one response or one of the most popular responses to a microaggression is not to say anything. Mm -hmm. I, I often don't say anything and I'm fully aware of what's happening. Um, sometimes people aren't aware of it either. You know, we, we may see it's a compliment or someone's just trying to help or someone's just trying to be nice. 
when really you dig deeper and like, wow, they're working under an assumption that I need extra help here because of my gender, or I may not know what I'm doing, or I don't have the skills for this or the strength for this. And so that's the assumption. Um, and so it's, it's just important to have a name for it. Yeah. Could you give like an example of something that women probably commonly see? So they understand a little more. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I think it's often, um, really subtle messages that suggest women may not be seen as, as strong, as skilled, as competent, as knowledgeable, um, in, as compared to men. So for example, um, oh, are you here for the B ride tonight? That one starts in half an hour um, when she's, she's probably there for the A ride. Um, or complimenting like, wow, you did really well today. Like you gave the guys a run for their money. Like, oh, am I not supposed to? Um, or going to a shop and being and like over explaining like, oh, the difference between disc brakes or rim brakes. Like, oh, well, I don't think you really need that because when you're fully aware of what you're looking for. Um, other examples, <laughs> a lot of folks might, might relate to this um, when riding, which noted this also happens to me on Zwift. Like I thought I had gotten away from it with the pandemic <laughs> and I haven't. But when you're working out and all of a sudden, and like you pass a, a guy and he accelerates, um, to, to pass you again, and then is clearly going into the red to stay ahead of you. And then you pass, like, it's just a whole thing. And again, the, the assumption there is, and we can talk about how he's competitive and he's doing his best and da, 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 da. But at the end of the day, would he be doing the same thing for another guy? Um, and what are some of the assumptions that he's making about your strength based on your gender? And so that's, those are some common microaggressions. Yeah. I had a, a very common. <laughs> and now we have data to show <laughs> that it's actually like true. Yeah. So how to like what's the best way for people to handle that cuz starting to yell that's a microaggression probably doesn't not super solve helpful. Anything. Right. But also not saying anything maybe doesn't solve it. Right. And that's the thing is to like think about I think if we can all start doing it collectively together being like, hey, I noticed this. Can you tell me what was going on there? Um, and chances are it's really, it's, it, it's not intentional. Like, oh, I was just trying to help. Like, can you explain why? And, and trying to like slow down the conversation, especially when we're emotional and when we're mm -hmm. heated because we're like, I am not gonna let you do this to me right now. <laughs> um, just like slowing yourself down and slowing, slowing down the conversation being like, can we just talk about what happened? Um, because this is how I'm feeling. And that's me as the psychologist talking. I think it's important to just slow it down and, and try to approach it with more curiosity and being like, can you help me understand what's going on here? Because chances are they'll start to realize it in the moment as they're answering the question. And then you can say, if you want, like, would you have done this for a guy? Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of them. And they might be super defensive and being like, yeah, of course I would do the same thing for a guy. Like, okay. Um, and even then you're helping them think about it. And that, that interaction can help in the, in the future. And so I think it's just trying to name it. And if it's done after the fact, that's fine. Like just, just name it. 
Yeah, I think that's good advice. I feel like that happens so often at the bike shop and we just try to find a new bike shop, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then when you're in a small town where there's not many bike shops, like I'm in Atlanta, we have lots of bike shops, but there's so many options and chances are like, they also, you know, we can give them the benefit of the doubt. They probably want to learn and improve. Yeah. So let's give them feedback instead of just writing them off, you know, being like, hey. I think of, of all the ones that you described, I do think a lot of those are coming from the, a, a, a place of good intent. Yes. Other than the getting chicked part. That one drives yeah. me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, clearly, dude, you're not having the day you thought you were having. It's okay. Just chill. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, don't yep. make this harder on me or you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, a lot of those, like, just, yeah, I think it happens. It's, and it's often, I think, just because in gen, like, they want to help. Right. And so, and the, I think the thing that, that I take issue with is like, they're assuming that I don't know as much because of my gen, like I, I once had, I laugh about it now. I was like fuming in the moment, but like, I once had a, I was at a fat bike race a couple of years ago and a guy came up to me who was like wearing, like he was wearing like jeans and a flannel and something that I would not typically do like a six hour bike ride in, in the middle of January, like jeans, hold moisture, they freeze. Like, it's just not a good recipe. Um, so he told me that I should have my PSI at like 15 or 20 or some sort of like super high number when as a, at a as a fat bike, I'm usually riding at like six. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, he walked up to me just assuming that he could give me advice. Um, when I wanted to ask, like, how long have you been riding and, and are you familiar with these trails? And so it's just that like attitude, like that assumption that they can give us feedback and advice, even if they don't know us. There's, <laughs> I have a really hard time with it. I mean, to talk about this, I'm thinking specifically, you know, there was, there's been a couple instances in the last two years by, you know, in the event space in particular, where we had one race where they told, they told husbands to have their wives buy, buy their wife a dining room table from this place so they could come and they could come and race the event and not get in trouble. Yes. And I'm, I'm like, Oh God. Yes. I mean, the heat that came out of that one was, mm-hmm. insane. I mean, but it just happened with well, then the, then that the will not be named, like, but you know, the like write up that went her. into a magazine said, so will you bring your wife and kids to this event on Halloween? Mm-hmm. To, to watch and there was a little bit of a few women that were quite pissed and they changed the article but it, it was still like why in the world in 2021 are we saying will you bring your wife and kids to race a, an event like mm-hmm. make that assumption yeah and it's all over and I think part of it is it's just ingrained in the culture yeah. and again it's not that people people think they're being funny or it's like tongue-in-cheek or what have you without really thinking about the underlying messages and how it really makes people feel, especially when we see it and hear it every day. Yeah. And it's like, it's like all of these little paper cuts that just like eat away at you over time. And we can deal with one, like we're tough. We can, we can write them off. We can reason ourselves in and out of it. We can tell ourselves to let it go. Um, but when it's happening time and time again, in a space where in this case, you know, like if you look at USA Cycling, 85% of members are men. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, 
you know, it's, it's hard to put yourself in that environment day in and day out, feel like you're not supported or you don't belong. And that's what I was feeling and the sense of having to prove myself. And so that's why I did the research. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of women feel that there's this underlying feeling of like, how is this person going to react when I, like, I hate going to buy a bike because I'm like, Oh, what kind of used car men, car salesman <laughs> am I going to get thrown on me? You know, like, and you should buying a bike should be so fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. yeah. And rather than assuming like, oh, you're going to, you know, when I, I tell them what I'm looking for in a bike, that they, they believe me, you know, and it feels so good when they do. Yeah. Thank you for seeing me and for, for respecting me and for, for knowing that I'm an experienced rider who, who knows generally what she's talking about and will ask for help when she doesn't. You know. Yeah. And if you listen to what I'm saying, and maybe you have a thought, have you thought about this? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm open to that. Yes, for sure. You Absolutely. Know, like, it sounds like maybe this would be something you should consider. Yep. Like, yeah. Tell me that. Yes. Um, yeah. But don't, don't mansplain it to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, where it's personalized feedback saying, you know, based on your riding style, I think these handlebars are going to be better for you. Right. And here's why. Yeah. Like, okay, exactly. sold. Done. That, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have this awesome bike shop in Atlanta. Anybody that's in Atlanta, go check out Loose Nuts. Um, they're just so great. And I've gone there off and on for 11 years and they've never, ever, ever mansplained anything. And, and they'll even go like, I was, um, I needed to add some gears because of some of the events I'm doing this summer. Mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, asking him like, what do you think is best? And he started explaining, he's like, now I, you know, like, you know, but this is what I put on my bike and I do it for this, but uh, you know, and I was like, no, tell me, like, I'm asking you this, you yeah. know, but just, it was very humble and different. Like he, d- mm-hmm. he assumed that I knew. And then I was like, no, I actually want you to tell me, you know, what you think is best because yeah. you do this every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I was on a, a group ride with like a brand new group it, it, known to be pretty fast, pretty organized. Um, and it was my first time with them and I got a flat tire within like two miles of leaving. And I was like, no, like, why am I like the new rider of the day, slowing the group down with the flat. Um, and my friend who invited me on the ride executed it beautifully. He let me take out my saddlebag and my tools and let me fumble with it. And he's like, I'm here if, if you need me, but I know you got it. If like, if you want it. Um, and I was like, no, this is all you. <laughs> thank you. I'd have been because like, anybody that wants to change my tire can change, change my tire. Like, <laughs> thank you for knowing I can do it. And also thank you for recognizing that this is like a new group. And I don't feel like being like watched or judged. Watched. And like, you've, you've changed a million tires in your life. And I know you can do it faster than me. So like you do you thanks, go for it. Thank you for asking for permission and like giving me space and time yeah. um, so that I could make the decision rather than like, oh, give me your wheel. Like, no. <laughs> Huh. That's a, that's a really good, that's almost a good lesson too. in the fact that men can ask, you can yeah. ask if, if help is needed. Yeah. You know. Like, let me know if you need me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I will say women can do it. To, like, it's not just a man thing. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it sometimes in our Facebook group is like yeah. somebody posts something and then people start giving lots of advice that they didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like, because a lot of times I know the person I'm like, they actually know all this, like that. And that wasn't even what they asked for. Yes. So we definitely, definitely do it as well. I know. I don't want to sound like we're just man bashing. I think right. it's like, 
coming at people from the, oh, no. yeah. Yep. Yeah. We all, yeah, we all do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like when you are the a group that's been excluded from like women in cycling, you you tend to feel that like it weighs on you more. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a PhD in this, but that would just be my assumption. <laughs> well, and I think we're also used to having to prove ourselves and, and show people what we know. Yeah. And, and so that can also, you know, we see that in our own circles too, is to kind of having to show, show what we know. Yeah. I have a, I have a solid question. I think mm-hmm. if I can, <laughs> when you're late, you don't get any questions. Yeah, this is the, because with our, the, the women's initiatives that we've done around unbound, mm-hmm. I've had both women and men ask, um, how long do we continue to give preference to women in the space? Like, you know, getting them into the event. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my answer is until we see 50, 50, um, but it's an interesting question too, because I think for my, I feel comfortable signing up for any event and I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I need to have that special encouragement or treatment, but I also know we're still bringing up all of these other female writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what do you, what do you guys think about that? Like, how long do we continue with the women initiatives, um, to get more women in, in the cycling space? I say as long as we need to, or as long as we can, <laughs> where it's, it's not like a question anymore Yeah, where people show up and they don't feel like they're the only one, or they don't feel like they belong. Um, like that, I say as, as long as we can. Yeah. Um, forever. <laughs> Ride the train as long as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say until it's 50, 50. Sure. Yeah. Um, and longer, if, if we want to like then up the ante, go for it, you know, cause we deserve a space too. Yeah. And if you look at what happened in marathon running, like where now the fields are even, mm-hmm. but that was a, that was a lot of years of work. Yeah to get there. And we're seeing, I mean, we see it just in, in this little microcosm here, we see it in the 25 and fifties are the 25s is majority female. The 50 is like 52%, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's creaching into those other spaces on the right, you know, which is what I want to see, but yeah, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's always an interesting question when people put it to me, cause they're not being rude. I mean, you know, there's some guys that are like, I don't have a chance to get in, but my wife can't. I'm like, well, right. maybe you should just come and support your wife. And if you volunteer, you get into the next year. Yes. Guaranteed. So yes. there you go. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been similar for me in talking to road, like road promoters, especially in trying to say like, we deserve more field options because right now in, in a lot of races, there will be like six options for men and two for women. And, and the constant mm-hmm. argument is like, well, the women don't show up. And then we say like, well, you're not creating a space for us to show up as our true selves where we feel safe and where we can, you know, really race and it's safe to do so. Um, and so it's, it's this, like what comes first, the chicken or the egg type of thing. Like they have to make the investment and we're not going to change until we see that there is an, an investment. Um, and we also don't want to feel like we have to start showing up to prove ourselves when we've already done like 60 races in a year, because we just, we can't, and there aren't as many of us. And so it's kind of, it's, we, we both need to make that commitment. The race promoters do and the cyclists do 
and we've got to communicate in order to make it happen. And I, I think that's what's been interesting is a lot of my research, I've had a lot of race promoters reach out to me and ask for conversations. And, and often they've been approached with a sense of like, well, if you don't add this field, I'm not going to show up. But that creates more of a division between the cyclists and the promoters. So like, we've got to have those conversations and have brainstorming sessions together in order mm -hmm. to actually make progress. I mean, that's how we got the women's uh, single speed category added. Yeah. Yes. It was a conversation, you know, mm -hmm. and now like all of our categories are matched across both, you know, I mean, it's yeah. just, you just keep working at it. Yeah. Yeah. And that shows the investment and that's what we need to see across the board. And then we've got to like, I don't know, it's, we've got to be patient. Um, yeah. And I think we've got to show people that it's coming from the right place. Yeah. Well, because that's when change lasts when it comes from the right place, yeah. but it doesn't happen fast. Like we want right. things to happen so fast. Yeah. But yeah. real like, change I know, actually takes time. Right. Yeah. And I know, especially, I mean, similar, you think about a new business and launching a new business, like you need a few years to get off the ground at least, you know, and when you're making really big changes to a race, you've need, you, you need time. And, and the same thing, like I, I was talking to a promoter when they added a like women's two, three field, which is really hard to find in road racing in the U S only a handful do it. It's usually pro one, two, and then like three, four, five or pro one, two, three, and then four, five. Um, so that we usually only have like two options and they were pretty, you know, I don't know. They, they took a chance in adding the two, three. And they said that they got a lot of heat for it in the first one or two years. And a lot of people who were like, this is ridiculous. You took away a race from the men's fields, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not going to race this race anymore. Um, and they were like, okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> and they created space. And like now people travel all over for this race because they know yeah. that they belong. You know, Intelligentsia Cup did something similar a couple years ago. And I think that was the most they had the most growth in that field when, when they added it. So you make space for us and we'll show up. Well, you are doing some things to make space for people. And I'd love for you to share with our, <laughs> Christy's like, this is what I've been waiting for the whole time. <laughs> but I'd love for you to share kind of, um, and we can do it without naming even the brand. Cause you and I both have some past ties to this brand. Um, and we don't want to, we were even talking before we went on. It's like, we don't want to throw anybody under the bus because right. that doesn't actually bring change. But um, I'd love for you just to share kind of the impetus and what you went through and, and what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, this summer, as I think a lot of people did, I, I had a, a good amount of self-reflection and I, and I'd like to think that I've really pushed for equality and equity and diversity and inclusion for some time. And I realized this summer, like how wrong I was in a lot of ways. Like I was very much catering toward gender and being your typical white feminist and promoting like gender equity while also leaving out some really, really, really important and crucial parts of the conversation. In this case, like racial diversity and equity in cycling. Mm -hmm. um, and so I realized after um, the, the, after realizing that the brand that I was supporting and promoting did not align with my values. Um, and after trying to have a conversation with them and after it really going awry, 
um, and trying after a lot of therapy, <laughs> I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so I, I basically realized I was very much a part of the problem, even though I thought I was a part of the solution and I thought I was doing good work. It was not good enough. Um, and I realized that I wanted to do better and I wanted to be a part of the solution. Um, I think my spouse knew that it was going to happen before I did, because he had said for a while, like, when are you going to start your own team? Um, before like any of this started. And so the writing was on the wall and, and this summer was just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm doing my own thing. And so I, so cool how this all came together. I had um, interviewed a colleague at work who was moving from New York to Minnesota for this position. And in her interview, she said, I want to get into endurance cycling. And she did not know that I was an endurance cyclist and I was trying really hard to be the neutral interviewer. But you're, um, in your mind, you're like, you're hired, you're hired, you're hired. Like done, like hired. Um, and so, and, and this was shortly after um, George Floyd was murdered and she, which was right here in Minneapolis. And she knew that she was coming, she would be coming to the heart of it all um, if she took this position. Um, and and we talked about that a little bit in the interview, which I think was good to just acknowledge like, hey, how are you feeling about this? This is how we're um, feeling as a city right now. And this is what it's like. And, um, and so she took the job. And then like a few weeks later, um, I ended up stepping down from my team. And then a few days after that, I texted her and was like, hey, I'm going to start my own thing you said you wanted to get into endurance cycling. Like, what did you mean by that? Do you have a bike? No. How tall are you? <laughs> um, so I, she said I, her response was, I am so in. Um, and so both of us took a huge risk in not really knowing each other, but wanting to, to do this thing. Um, and it just exploded from there. And so we now have a team, the whole purpose is to diversify the pipeline of femme, trans women and non-binary riders and to actually center them and to actually create a space for them. Um, and so I am one of two people on the team who identifies as white and non, not Latinx. Um, everyone is BIPOC, Latinx or LGBTQ. Um, I'm bi. So um, it was important for all of us to create a space where we can be like our true selves. Um, I think for me personally, a lot of people just assume that I'm straight because I'm married to a guy and it's a huge piece of my identity. And um, so we just brought that to the table for stamina and we're showing up in our true selves. And it's like really cool and hilarious. Um, one of our teammates joked the other day that if you saw our group text like chat, you might need therapy because there are so many like memes and gifts and um, it's awesome. So we rallied to support, there are 11 of us um, and the community, Christy included, like rallied to support us. And we have since founded a 501c3. So we're nonprofit tax exempt status. Um, and we got bikes for all of our new riders only a few of them had bikes. Um, we've gotten title sponsorship with Machines for Freedom. 
which is a company that very much aligns with our values. And they have been amazing. Um, and then we were partnering with a handful of other companies that have been like, yes, we're in. Um, and part of those conversations has been, okay, like if you're in, this is what it means. Um, it means we're also gonna hold you accountable for having difficult conversations. And it means that we're gonna be a part of the solution. And that, that means a willingness to have difficult conversations um, and to hold each other accountable. And it's been really cool. So, so that's where we are. It's super exciting. Uh, please let me know what else I can do. I just, I just love what you guys are doing. I love following it on Instagram and watching. I mean, okay. The roller crap, like <laughs> the rollers. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, have you looked at any of their Instagram? No, I didn't. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Stamina, yeah. The Salmon Racing Collective has been so fun to follow. And so, so fun to meet the um, folks on the team. And I'm just like, it's just, yeah. It's just it's really contagious. Rad. Like the energy is like, we can, it's, we can feel it. Like we are so, and the thing that's so cool is just how amazing the community has been. And support. like, we had bikes shipped from North Carolina, Chicago showed up, holy cow. Like we got, we got bikes, we got frames, we got group sets, we got trainers from them gear. So like huge shout out to Chicago. Um, they like, we got almost everything that we needed. And what we, what we still needed that we didn't have donated, we could purchase because of the generosity and the donations that people came in for our fundraising campaign. So we're able to also help provide like USAC licenses, um, race registrations for X number of races. Um, like we're able to help provide an incentive program for like coaching and getting your training in during the off season in the middle of Minnesota when no one wants to ride. Um, so we're really supporting each other through the process so that when they show up to the start line, like we know that we're ready and we're prepared. Um, we had a coach who gave us a amazing sponsorship. Um, she's a professional cyclocross racer who lives in Belgium during the year, um, to race, uh, it's Corey Coogan Seasick with triple C coaching. And she loves coaching beginner femme, trans women and non-binary folks. And so it was like the perfect fit. And shortly after we announced the team, she emailed me and was like, I want to help. Let me figure out how, and I'll get back to you. And provided us with a really generous sponsorship offer. So all of the riders have coaching, which is usually something that a new rider does not have access to because you're paying 150 plus dollars a month for it. Yeah. It's not something a you know, novice rider can afford. Um, and if they can, like it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's a huge thing in terms of accessibility that like most people don't get. So that's going to be big for us. And are, is anybody riding gravel? Are we going to see anybody in any of the gravel events this year? Yes. Um, we don't yet have gravel bikes for everyone. So we're working on it. So shout out if anyone, we have a lot of five, nine riders. So if anyone has like 54 gravel bikes laying around, even at like three by group set, like bring it on, we'll take it. Feel great, heavy, sure. Um, like we're we will we're very much a like run what you brung team. Um, we literally brought a box of parts to our local bike shop and said, Can you build something out of this? That's and amazing. They were like, yeah, let's do it. And so that bike's name is now Frankenstein. Um, we call her Frankie for short. <laughs> yeah. So we want to do gravel. We don't yet have all the bikes to do it. Um, 
we're shooting for the last best ride because that's late August. Oh, we'll be there. <gasps> yeah. If y'all are there, we're totally going to do live coverage with y'all because we're going to do live coverage at races this year. Yes. We're going to be part of the, so they reached out to us for part of the community leaders program. Yeah. 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 And like, so talk about creating space for people. Like they let us know that they wanted us there. And, and so we're going to do it. We're going to, well, you know, you know, you're always welcome in Emporia, Kansas. You just have a phone yes. call. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'll just text you. Yeah. Yeah. And part of it has been like the uncertainty of the pandemic and not knowing yeah. like, when can we travel? When can we race? When can we get enough bikes for everyone? We're like, August, we should be able to make that work. So we're, we're going to like, we're going to road trip. Uh, it'll probably be 20 hours of fun um, to Montana. So, so that's the one gravel that we're thinking. That's really the only race we formally have on the calendar right now. So we're hoping to do tour of America's Dairyland, her road uh-huh. in Wisconsin, because um, the race director just added a third women's field. Um, he meant to do it last year and then there was a pandemic. So this is the year. So we want to go and support them. Yeah. Um, I have to say, because people can't see you, how much your face lights up when you talk about this. (laughs) I get so excited. They're amazing. Like I am in love with my team. Um, like it's just so, it's so cool. And you'll see in August when you meet everyone, like you'll see why. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think some of the big lessons you've learned in starting this team? Yeah. Um, Biggest lesson is finding the right balance between like, and this very much ties to like privilege, diversity, inclusion, um, like helping, like air quotes helping, like, am I actually helping or am I not? How much to step back? How much space to take up? Um how much to like come in knowing how much information to give, like talking about like the mansplaining stuff, right? Like striking the right tone of how much information do, does my team want? Like, are they interested in this? Are they not? Um, I think one of the biggest lessons is the importance of when building a team up from the ground, like we voted on everything. We voted on color scheme we voted on whether or not we wanted sponsors because we knew if we got sponsors, we would have to play the marketing game. Mm-hmm. And so we had a discussion about that. Um, we voted on whether or not to be a nonprofit. Um, and then we voted on just like all the little things like title sponsorship. Like, do we want to do that? Um, and with a brand like Machines for Freedom. That was easy. It was an easy, Um, and so I think my biggest lesson is to like, I think for a lot of cycling teams and part of it can be size, part of it can be leadership. There's this assumption that there's like a leadership team that makes the decisions and then shares like, here are our sponsors, here are the discount codes. Um, Like, why do we have to do it that way? Like, why doesn't everyone have a say? Um, So one of our team mottos is all of us or none of us. So like, if one person does not feel comfortable with something, we're not going to move forward with it for like a brand, a a race, um, you name it. And so that is because the whole premise is inclusion. And so if one person is left out, then we're not, Mm -hmm. not going to do it. Um, I think the other lesson I've learned is like 
be willing to take a risk and do something really scary and be vulnerable, even if you feel wrecked the day after. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was so hard to do what I did and I still feel like it wasn't enough and I would do it all over again if I had to. Um, Like I've never had an Instagram post go viral and if I, and I never planned for that one too, but it did. Um, and I got a lot of heat for it. This is um, when, you, when you left the, when I left the team, the team, mm-hmm. the, the previous team. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I also know that I stood by my values and I very much now am like super happy with all the brands I represent and all of the brands I promote, because I know that their values align with mine. So I think the lesson I've learned is like, do it, like take a stand like be willing to have hard conversations. And if those conversations don't go well, it doesn't mean that you just keep your head down and be like, well, I tried like, no, yeah. leave. Like, <laughs> like you don't just stop there. Right. If someone says no, then you're like, okay, bye. Like I'm done. <laughs> so, and I think that's the other lesson too, is how many people are watching you? Like, you know, especially Instagram, like everything is, you know, public people are watching, like people are aware of who's doing the work and who isn't. And, and they're going to call you out on it. And, and it's hard to like find that balance between staying humble and like holding your line. And I don't know, it's, it's a, you're going to make mistakes and I have, and that's, I think, part of the work as well. Yeah. I really like, like you being really vulnerable with those things, like doubts and stuff, because you're like a train, you know, you have a PhD yeah. you work on these things and you still feel insecure and feel like, am I, I'm doing things wrong. And so like everybody, when you step out and you create something new is going to feel that way. Right. For sure. And that's okay. Like it's part of the process. I'm saying, you know, like today I was actually having a conversation with somebody about our women's performance summit. And I was like, there's probably some things that we're going to do completely wrong. And you're, it's okay if you call us out on it because you know, it's part of the process. We we are. (laughs) So it's always hard to well, get that's how out to move forward. I mean, you can't just, if you're, if you're acting scared mm-hmm. and not, not trying things, you're not going to move things forward. It's going to stay in the exact same spot. And we can't exactly, we can't do that anymore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we think about it, like social justice, like not doing anything, it sends the message that you're okay with the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, by, with, we think about athletic circles and clients. Like I tell my athletes and clients all the time, if you're comfortable, you're not progressing. Um, like if you want to move forward, like you've got to be willing to take those risks in order to progress. And that's scary. And like, yes, you're going to fail and yes, you're going to fall. And then you learn from it. Um, like it's, it's messy. And so we've got to, like, I, I used to teach human sexuality for undergrads, which is like, <laughs> The best, God. it was basically like sex is sex ed for college students, best class to teach ever. Um, and I used to say to them, embrace the awkwardness because we're going to talk about it. Um, and you're going to say things and you're going to be like, that didn't come out the right way. <laughs> and that's part of the process. And so you've just got to like, we're human. We've got to do it. Amazing. Wow. I love this. We could probably talk to you all night. Well, yeah, just like the week I've had the last two, the last two weeks I have, I'm not sure what, maybe it's actually the last year and a half I've had. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. It's been a, it's been a, it's been, been a, a ride. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's good to, for me personally, it's just so good to hear your words of positivity and, and the direction that you're taking everything, because it's just a reminder that we are, we're making a difference. It doesn't always feel like it. It's, it's about patience. It's about, you know, one foot in front of the other, being as open to it as you can be and going from there. Going to therapy. <laughs> I, think I need to start with that. <laughs> like it's so serious. Like you've got to, I think like I, you have to know who you can talk to and, and yeah. like who's going to help you on that journey. And, and I had some friends who totally showed up for me and frankly, I lost others who disappeared and it sucks. And, and, um, I also like, again, I would do it all again in a heartbeat if I had to, like, would I have some conversations differently? Of course. Like if, had I known my Instagram post would go viral, would I have thought a lot more about it? Yes, absolutely. But I didn't change it. You know, like it is what it is. And I basically said my, my values don't align with this brand anymore. And so I'm stepping down. Um, and like, that was it. And so I think it's just, we, we learn from it and we grow and it's, we just can't keep our heads down and keep moving forward. Like everything's okay. Cause it's not like, we have a lot of changes to make in the cycling world. Yeah. We have a lot of changes to make. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. oh boy. Our okay. passion is cycling. And I do believe like, I'm just, I believe there's so much that once you start changing it in sport, because that's where you have those long, great conversations when you're yep. riding next to somebody for four right. or five hours and you start to like build there's a common ground that happens there. You know, mm -hmm. there's a, there's the opportunity for those harder conversations because yep. there's, you're coming to it with this, hopefully kind of at the same, on the same playing field mm -hmm. more or less. Yeah. And honestly, like I've, I've told Christy this story before is like gravel, especially brings out more emotions than me. Like, despite being a psychologist, I'm not an emotions person. Um, and so I like, I don't like being vulnerable. I don't like being a crier. Like I, I don't cry very often. And it's just part of how I learned to be when I was younger and gravel, like opens up a piece of me that other people could not. Um, like when I think about some of my, especially like Emporia gravel, like some of those races and, and nights, like there was one where I like, it was just one of the, like, you know, it's like the perfect afternoon sun where all the turtles are coming out. Um, I felt like I was like dodging turtles for a while. And it's like the adventure changed as the sun changed. Um, and just the feeling of like, there was in the morning, like, you know, like the sun is coming up and we were going through the, the open cattle range. Like we go over the cattle guard and it's open range. And there was like this calf baby cow at the top of the hill, just like mooing at all the cyclists going by. And it was the cutest thing in the world. Um, and I couldn't help, but just like, oh. <laughs> um, and then there was like at dusk, it was, um, I had to, I had to pee. So I stopped and got off my bike and like found some grass as one does and everything was like still and quiet and all of a sudden the coyotes started howling in the background and you just got chills it's just like and then you know at night i will someday beat the sun the sunset the fireflies come out 
Oh, isn't that amazing? Light up the sky. And so I have not like when I, the first time I finished the, the 200, I was bawling. <laughs> like I, and I, I am, am, am talkative as you can see, I was at a loss for words, just bawling. Um, and so that's, I think like gravel opens things up in me that other things don't, it makes you vulnerable. It's like hard conversations are easier. Emotions are easier. Like you feel all the feels. I love that. <laughs> you. We're all going to be crying in a minute. Uh, <laughs> We're all about to cry. <laughs> well, before we have to get the Kleenex, Erin, where can people find your team and find you? And maybe if they want an appointment with you, find you yeah. for that too. <laughs> yes. All of those things. Um, so I want to make sure I give you my right Instagram because I think I have my middle initial, but I'm going to double check. So um, you can find our team by searching Stamina Racing Collective. And the colors are great. The color, I know the team, we voted, see, it's all about like the vote. Um, so Stamina Racing Collective is the team. Um, my Instagram is Aaron E. Ayala. So it's E-R-I-N-E-A-Y-A-L-A. Um, and I work at Premier Sports Psychology, which is a group consulting firm. We have uh, certified mental performance consultants, myself included. I see a lot of endurance athletes. Um, we have sports psychologists. So I'm also a sports psychologist. Um, we've got like leadership consultants. We've got a whole group of folks who are really amazing and super passionate about their work. So um, we also have like an online mental training called the Premier Mindset Program, which is pretty sweet for people who want to get like focus, confidence, and work on different pieces of their mental game. So lots oh, of cool. options. Awesome. We'll put all that in the show notes so yeah. that people can find those things. And um, five, nine, if you have a gravel bike, <laughs> right. reach out to Aaron. Or yeah. if you want to go make a donation. Yeah. So you can buy gravel bikes when there's finally is some your available. Fund again. Still open? Is your fundraising still open or is it closed? Yeah. Fundraising still open. Yeah. It's always open. And honest. So it was really funny. Our first like group of riders were all like five, eight, five, nine. Um, but we just added to our roster and we now have riders who are 411 and 53. If you have children's so bikes, <laughs> we will take all sizes. Seriously, we'll take all sizes of bikes. Like we just need, we need bikes. Um, everyone yeah. and the way that it works is they basically become property of the nonprofit. And yeah. then the riders basically sign a rentals agreement, like rental agreement for the year. And then if they want to buy it because they fall in love with it, the money just goes back to the team. So it's a pretty cool deal. That's awesome. Yep. Well, thank you so much for uh, your time today. We cannot wait to see you in Montana this summer. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait to see you in person. That'll be awesome. I know. In real life. Yes. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.